0: Welcome to podcast number six here at your Voice of the Arts. Joe Weber, your host. And we're going to focus on the mythic American West at the beginning of this show. And we're going to start with some wonderful cowboy poetry. This one by Bruce Kiskadden called When Your are
1: when you're throwed by Bruce Cascaddon. If a feller's been a straddle since he's big enough to ride, why, he's had to throw his saddle on most every kind of hide. Though it's nothing they take pride in, most of fellers I have known, if they ever done much riding, has at various times got thrown. It might happen when you're starting on a round-up some fine day and you feel a bit uncertain about some little wall-eyed bay because he swells to beat the nation when you're cinching up the slack and he gets an elevation in your saddle at the back. He starts raring and a-jumping, and he strikes when you get near, but you cuss him, and you thump him, and you get him by the ear. Then your right hand grabs the saddle, and you catch a stirrup, too, and you aim to light a straddle like a woolly buckaroo. But he ducks his head and switches, and he makes a backward jump. Out of reach, your stirrup twitches, and your right spur grabs his rump. Stay with him, yells some feller, but you know it's hope forlorn, and you feel a streak of yeller as you choke the saddle horn. Then you feel one rain a-dropping, and you know he's got his head, and now your shirt tail's out and flopping, and that saddle pulls like lead. And you know there's no use trying when your spurs begin to slip. Now you're upside down and flying, and the horn tears through your grip. You feel a vague sensation as upon the ground you roll like a violent separation twixt your body and your soul. You land against a hummock, and you lay in gap for breath, and then something grabs your stomach like the awful clutch of death. Yes, the landscape round you totters when at last you try to stand, and you're shaky on your trotters and your mouth is full of sand. The boys all swear you beat a circus or a hoochie-coochie dance, wiping up the canyon surface with the bosom of your pants. Yeah, there's fellers gives prescriptions how these horses should be rode, but there's few that gives us descriptions of the times when they got throwed.
2: I was hanging around town Just spending my time Out of a job Not earning a dime A fella steps up And he said I suppose You're a bronc fighter From the looks of your clothes Your figure's me right I'm a good one I claim Do you happen to have Any bad ones to tame City's got one of bad a buck for throwing good riders, he's had lots of luck. I gets all head up and I ask what he pays To ride this old night for a couple of days He offered me ten and I said, I'm your man A bronc never lived that I couldn't fan He said, get your saddle, I'll give you a chance in his buckboard we hops and he drives to the ranch I stayed until morning and right after Chuck I stepped out to see if this outlaw can bug Down in the horse corral standing alone Is an old cavallo a strawberry roan His legs are all Big eyes and a big Roman nose, little pin ears that touch at the tip. A big 44 brand was on his left hip, neck and all with a long lower jaw. I could see with one eye. He's a regular outlaw. I gets the blinds on him and it sure is a fright. Next comes my saddle and I screws it down tight Then I steps on him and I raises the blind Get out the way boys, he's gonna unwind He sure is a frog walker, he heaves a big sigh He only likes wings for to be on the fly He turns his old belly right up to the sun He sure is a sunfish and son of a gun He's about the worst bucker I've seen on the range. You turn on a nickel and give you some change. He hits on all fours and goes up on high. Leaves me a spinning up there in the sky. I turns over twice and I comes back to earth. Alights lights in the cussin' the day of his birth. I know that. Some of them left, they haven't all died I'll bet all my money, the man life lied will stay with old Strawberry when he makes his high die
0: And that was Marty Robbins with The Strawberry Roan preceded by Bruce Kiskadden's poem When You're Throwed Up next, we have the McBurney Brothers, a somewhat limited series that we used to do on 1690 AM with two characters. There was Tiny and his brother who, for some reason, we never gave a name to. These were two Texas Rangers who, due to their diminutive size and general fearfulness, were only given one horse.
3: Out of the sun-parched West Texas Badlands ride the McBurney Brothers. Texas Rangers, who, due to fiscal downsizing, their combined weight of 250 pounds and general fearfulness,
4: have been allocated only one horse. Tiny, you see which way they went? Of course, I see which way they went. They're about two miles up ahead of us. There, we'll wear them down. I'm not. I'm not worried. Yeah, well, we've been at this all day, and they just keep getting farther and farther away. Well, if this horse shouldn't be galloping now, it needs to canter. It's tired. Let me ask you a question. You haven't galloped all day. You've been walking and cantering all day. What's the deal? Now we're walking again. Well, this is the way I think we need to do it. You wouldn't be afraid of galloping, would you? Did you say afraid? That's what I said, afraid of galloping. You're talking to a Texas Ranger, mister. The last man who called me afraid now owns 400 head of cattle in Durango. What the heck does that mean? Well, he might have had more. You mean if you had, if he hadn't crossed you, he might have had more cattle? That's what you did to him? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Ah! <laughs> Well, we're back on him now. We're gonna wear him down. Yeah, we're still cantering. We wouldn't be doing that if the horse hadn't seen a snake. This is no way to catch an outlaw. Well, you want to get up back up front, you can. No, no, it's your turn up front. That's the deal. But I'll tell you, we're never gonna catch him like this. This is a cowardly way for a Texas Ranger to behave. You calling me a coward? Last man who called me a coward, you know what happened to him? What? He was on the receiving end of some mighty rough sarcasm, I can tell you that. (laughs) Oh, I'll bet you he was shaking in his boots.
3: Tune in next week when out of the sun-parched West Texas Badlands ride the McBurney Brothers. Texas Rangers, due to fiscal downsizing, the combined weight of 250 pounds, and general fearfulness
2: rolling, have been allocated rolling, rolling, only keep one horse.
4: Rolling, keep them doggies rolling,
0: My guest is Jim Dunham. Jim is on the staff at the Booth Western Museum. He's quite knowledgeable about the history of the West. He regularly can be heard on our Cowboys and Campfire shows on Wednesday afternoon at four. Jim, good afternoon. Welcome to WMLB. Thank you, Joe. It's nice to talk to you. Jim, last time we talked, we got into the farmers versus the ranchers and that continuing conflict that went on out west. And we started talking about range wars. And you said you'd have some more information for me about some of the more notorious ones.
5: Sure. There's uh, there's really three great Western stories that uh, deal with range wars. One of them is the um, the Johnson County Range War, which is the one that uh, the movie Shane really is based on, uh, and that's your your historical uh, ranchers, farmers, small farmers against the big cattlemen. And, uh, and where that was, was, that was that was Johnson
0: amazing. County? Where What's Wyoming, state? Wyoming. Yeah, it was
5: around near Buffalo, Wyoming, and uh, that was one in which the the big cattle ranchers brought in some hired guns. Uh, and and they were you know basically killers, and and the t- two famous guys that are part of that are uh, Nate Champion and uh, Tom Horn, and of course there's been movies made about uh, Tom Horn. Uh, Steve McQueen did a did a pretty good uh, movie about him. The or arizona range war the one the famous one that was between the cattlemen and the uh... sheep herders that you know it's always there's a big argument as to whether sheep and cattle can exist on the same range The basically the theory is is that the sheep eat the grass so close to the ground that the uh... cattle can get no nourishment from it once the sheep have been on there first and uh... of course a simple pro- way to solve the problem is put your cattle in first and keep the sheep out until the cattle are through, and then let the sheep in. But I guess they never thought about that. And uh, there's a character that's part of the Pleasant Valley Range War, which I think is one of the most interesting guys in Western history, and his name is Commodore Perry Owens. And that's not his title. He, he Actually, his first name was Commodore. It was Commodore. Okay, yeah.
0: what period are we talking about here? We're
5: talking about late 1880s. Okay. And, and,
0: uh, and this uh, is the one in
5: Pleasant... Pleasant Valley, Arizona. Arizona. This, this. It's around Holbrook, Arizona, north North Arizona. And the uh, Hashknife Ranch and some of the big cattle ranchers uh, basically brought in some Texas gunmen. And, uh, and there was about 25 people that were killed over a period of several years that were probably assassinated because they took sides against or for the, the sheep herders. Anyway, in September, September 7th, 1887, in the little town of Holbrook, Commodore Perry Owens is the sheriff of Apache County, Arizona. He arrives into town on a Sunday. His horse has got a shoe that he's thrown. He needs to see a blacksmith or a farrier to fix his horseshoe. And he goes into a hotel and has some Sunday brunch while the horseshoe's being fixed. And somebody comes in and tells him that there are four gunmen in a ho- in a house that are hiding out, and that these are men who he has warrants for their arrest for murder. So he goes to the. Uh, barn where the horse is, and he grabs his Winchester rifle and he walks to this house, steps on the porch, knocks on the door and One of the guys that he 's after uh, Andy cooper, he uh, opens the door and uh, he recognizes andy cooper so sheriff owen says you 're under arrest you 'll have to go with me and and immediately Cooper draws his gun and starts shooting and and uh, the mar- the sheriff just he has his rifle cradled in his arms he fires two shots from the rifle. And Andy Cooper falls to the ground, drops his gun, and uh, and skids back into the house. The other side of the porch, the door opens up, and uh, uh, John Blevins is back there. He opens up with his gun, and Cooper decides now it's a good time to get off the porch, and so he runs out into the middle of the yard and starts shooting back at uh, John Blevins, who's shooting at him from the other doorway. He falls inside the house, and. Um, A fellow named Mose Roberts climbs out the back window, comes around the side of the house thinking he can get uh, Sheriff Owens from the side. Sheriff Owens brings the rifle up to his shoulder, fires once, and drops uh, Mose Roberts. Samuel Houston Blevins picks up his brother's gun, comes running out of the door, firing the gun. His mother's in the house, by the way, screaming and yelling, you know, for him to come back. But he fires a couple shots, and Sheriff Owens drops Samuel Houston Blevins uh, as he leaves the porch. In a matter of just a couple of minutes, this sheriff fires five times and brings down four people. He never misses, and and of the people that he shoots, only one will survive. John Blevins will survive, but Mose Roberts and Andy Cooper and... Uh, Sammy, Houston, Blevins, all die in this fight. Well, in this particular shootout, this guy actually has done better shooting than anybody that's part of the Wyatt Earp group or part of the OK Corral. I mean, this has got to be one of the most spectacular gunfights in Western history, and hardly anybody knows about it. We we call it the, the Holbrook gunfight. And uh, Sheriff Owens goes to his office after this is all over. And he lays the he lays the warrants on the table, and he says to the people behind the desk, he says, he says, "Well, these warrants have been served." <laughs> and he goes and he goes home. <laughs> and, well, now uh, he
0: was he was in, he was doing he was a, a true lawman, and he was oh yeah he was trying to protect uh, I
5: guess the the sheep sheep herders. Well, what he was doing was trying to trying to uh, enforce the law. Because because basically, uh, you know, the law doesn't allow you to take the law in your own hands and kill anybody on either side. So he was basically arresting people from both sides that were, that were assassinating the other side. And, and then, the only problem with, with the story being turned into a movie is is that this isn't the end of the, of the war, and he doesn't stick around till the end of the war. He, he doesn't run for re-election. He gets so frustrated in the fact that he can't get any anybody else to go to court and Get convicted or anything that he basically doesn't run for re He drops out of the the service of of being a marshal and he gets married and he, and uh, he lives a natural and normal life. But it's hard to make a good movie out of it. it, it the best book that has been written about it was written by Zengray, or at least the, the best novel was written by Zen Gray, and it was called To the Last Man. And what what Zen Gray did is he in, uh, put in a uh, Shakespearean play. To make the story more interesting, and of course, the Shakespearean play that he put in was Romeo and Juliet, because he he has the son of the cattleman marry the or fall in love with the daughter of the sheepman, and so he got these two warring families, and then then the children of the two warring families fall in love with each other. So it's really a pretty but interesting I, way to deal.
6: But I think in a way you
0: could have a movie that was a little more in the. Uh in the line of, let's say, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, you'd you have, could, yeah. you would have had a, I think, you, you could have had a good opportunity for some very good acting.
5: And it's, and I think it's still a potential for a good scriptwriter because it's never really been treated in in film. Was, was he a, able to stay in that area, or wasn't? I mean, no, he 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 went back down to Phoenix and and uh, really didn't stick around. No. Uh-uh but, but uh, his parents were big fans of the battle of lake erie and the in the american hero commodore perry and in that case of course commodore was a rank or actual you know, rate right. in the military, and so they named their son Commodore Perry uh, Owens. It'd be like naming your son uh, Senator uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Weber, you know, and and so your son's first name would be Senator. When you called him for dinner, you'd say, "Hey, Senator, time for dinner," you know. <laughs> but, but it was kind of funny. But I do think it. I think that there is potential for a, a really good script to be written.
0: I think westerns are going to come back in fashion, but with some real character roles rather I, than you know just the shoot 'em up. But uh,
5: writing is writing is the critical part if, if you mm-hmm. have good writing uh it almost doesn't make any difference w- uh, what the setting of the story is if you can touch the human heart and human element you can really do it sure so there was a nice historical book written about if anybody wants to read the the true history rather than the fiction and that's uh called a little war of our own by Don Didera. And uh, A Little War of Our Own really goes into the, the actual uh, whole story of the Pleasant Valley Range War. Great. And, of course, the other one, and, some, and we'll have to do this another time, but the other range war that's interesting is the Lincoln County Range War in New Mexico, and that's the story of Billy the Kid, which is, once again, a great, a great story.
0: Okay. Well, Jim, I'm hoping you'll make yourself available to tell us about that one as well.
5: Well, I just love talking about this stuff, and so we'll just, whenever it's convenient, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about cowboys and Indians in the Old West anytime you want. Okay,
0: thank you so much, Jim. Our guest has been Jim Dunham of the Booth Western Museum of Art up in Cartersville.
2: I challenged his right for the love of this maiden Down put his hand for the gun that he wore My challenge was answered in less than a heartbeat The handsome young stranger lay dead on the floor Out through the back door of roses I ran Out where the horses were tossed It could run up on its back And away I did ride Just as fast as I could From the west Texas town of El Paso back to the badlands of New Mexico Back in El Paso my life would be worthless Everything's gone in life, nothing is left It's been so long since I've seen the young maiden. My love is stronger than my fear of death I saddle up and away I did go Riding alone in the dark Maybe tomorrow a bullet may find me Tonight nothing's worse than this pain in my heart And at last here So I can see Rose's cantina below. My love is strong and it pushes me onward. Down off the hill to Felina I go. Off to my right I see five mounted cowboys. Off to my left, right a dozen or more. Shouting and shooting, I can't let them catch me I have to make it to Rose's back door Something is dreadfully wrong, for I feel A deep burning pain in my side Though I am trying to stay in the saddle I'm getting weary, unable to ride But my love and I rise where i fall. though I am weary I can't stop to rest I see the white puff of smoke from the rifle, I feel the bullet go deep in my chest From out of nowhere, Berlina has found me, kissing my cheek as she kneels by my side Radled by two loving arms that I'll die for. One little kiss and
0: That was Marty Robbins with El Paso. And we heard Marty Robbins earlier with the Strawberry Roan. Before El Paso, we heard an interview with Jim Dunham who was a docent at the Booth Museum of Western Art in Cartersville, Georgia, a man with an endless knowledge about the Old West, the mythic American West. He started his career at Universal Pictures where he was a gunslinger in their studio tour and had some wonderful stories. My favorite was about Jack Palance, who during the shooting of Shane was so inept and uncoordinated that he couldn't get on a horse. And the only way they could show him mounting a horse was to help him on a horse and then shoot him getting off. And then they would reverse the film and it would look like in the film he was getting on a horse. Up next, we're going to hear an old favorite. And this was the original Stéphane Flambeau visit to the 1690 AM WMLB studios. Actually, it came even before then. It was when I owned WGKA, which was 1190 a.m. in Atlanta, that Larry Larson and I worked this skit out. And that was back in uh, before the year 2000.
6: It is both a pleasure and a great honor to have as a guest in our studio today, Stefan Flambeau, perhaps Atlanta's most well known and accomplished performance artist. Flumbo has performed in New York, San Francisco, Paris, Berlin, and Springfield, Ohio. He is best known for his creation of the performance piece Man Bussing Table at Burger King, which ran for 18 consecutive weeks here in Atlanta at the Frank Fontaine Theater. Stefan, many of our listeners, I'm sure, are wondering just what is performance art. Can you enlighten us? Well, I like to say that performance art is a finite series of physical movements, sometimes
3: accompanied by music or speech or other forms of verbal communication that encapsulates a larger experiential tableau. The performance artist takes the mundane and the particular and through a process of artistic refraction distills them into the extraordinary and the universal.
6: That's beautifully expressed. In other words, the performance artist finds meaning and beauty in our everyday experience.
3: Yes. The performance artist finds truth and beauty in the commonplace. For instance, someone without much imagination would see my Burger King piece and think, well, that's just some man clearing his tray of the little French fry bag and the wrapper from his Whopper and his jumbo soda cup. What's all the fuss? Obviously a person of such appalling ignorance is incapable of seeing the metaphor that I am every and any late 20th century man clearing my tray of the refuse of the past. Now perhaps, and I'm afraid most of you won't be able to follow me here, perhaps I
6: am the new century, the new millennium itself. Hmm. I was hoping that you'd be able to do one of your performance pieces here in our studio. I I know you'd be at a disadvantage with the fact that it is radio, but perhaps you could describe your actions and movements so that our listeners might get a better understanding of your art. All right, all right, let me get myself together. I would love
3: that opportunity. However, I will have to do an improvised work since I haven't prepared anything
6: in advance for radio. How about a little background music? What do you have? Well, I've got uh, the Meditation from Tyus by Massenet. By Massenet. That would be good. Let me cue that up. Begin whenever you feel ready. Who am
3: I? I am a deeply saddened middle-aged man. Fed up with this technologically confused age. Tired of this shopkeeper's century, longing for the pastoral beauty of the Renaissance, I rise slowly from my chair, peer out the window, and begin to walk toward the door. Stefan, be careful of the microphone. Shh, shh, shh. As I walk, I feel the final decades of the century weighing me down, blanketing my soul with an inchoate melancholia. I cast my eyes in the corner and turn. With cat like grapes pour the a cardboard container holding little delicate French pastries.
6: Those are Krispy Kreme donuts. Shh.
3: You fool! Can't you see I'm in character? My memory begins to flood with the sounds and the images of the past. My thoughts turn to my first true love, Adele. I bask in my reverie. This,
6: this guy's already gone through a half dozen
3: Turns. Adele gale, her name trips off my tongue like the words of a song, like the notes of an arpeggio,
6: like... Hey, Stefan, can you go easy on those donuts? There are other people here. <laughs> that does it.
3: I've never been so insulted in all my years of performing. I'm leaving. For God's sake, I'm not even getting paid for this. Yeah,
6: well, you've gotten about $4 worth of donuts.
4: Oh, don't be ridiculous.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Stéphane Flambeau, world-renowned performance artist, a guest here at our studio.
7: He's not an ashes hauler, still he's not a gigolo. And he's not a spoof and staller like the mugs I used to know comes see you ought to see him go. He's my unusual man. He's handsome as a parlor and he's perfect in and out. Even sounder than a dollar. I know what I'm talking about. Never teases less. He pleases. Gee, I couldn't do without my sweet. His duty without being told. He hasn't got any fault. I wouldn't give him for all of the gold that's in the treasurer's vault. He is gracious in the cities and he's gallant on the farms. If I look him in the eye, I'm just seducted by his. follow i'm as helpless as a fly i just can't resist a follow tell the truth i never try
5: when i want him
7: i request it when he wants me he commands but the way he does it to me i'm a sap at his demands now he's no hell in elocution but there's feelings in his voice if there is a hard solution he can quickly make a choice now we're ahead of any questions he is standing at the bat. At a very mere suggestion He is ready, quick as that Oh, he has a technique No other man's got. At night and day he's all set No disappointments are ever my love At least there's never been yet Now he's used to getting what he wants He's not the type to beg And the kind who gets results If he has got to break a leg He'd die with humiliation If he ever laid an egg He's my unusual man Hear me screaming He's my unusual man
0: That was Trixie Smith with Noble Sissel and his orchestra along with Sidney Bechet and the song's called My Unusual Man. Before that, we heard the original studio visit by performance artist, Stéphane Flambeau. <laughs> Folks, it's time to wrap things up. This was podcast number six here on Your Voice of the Arts. This is Joe Weber saying so long. Thanks for keeping me company.